Welcome to I Love That Record, a podcast where my friend John Beckman and myself, Eric Jorgensen, each take turns picking an album to discuss in maybe a little too much detail. This time around, we are breaking the format a little bit and doing an incredible double episode special on one of our favorite bands. (laughs) On one of our favorite bands, Nickel Creek, a band that we have seen together, actually, at the State Theater. Great show that it was. We uh, both agreed to talk about two of their albums uh, in two parts here. And uh, for this first album, we are going to talk about... Oh, but wait. I need to ask John first, what are you drinking tonight, John? To keep the suspense up a little bit, too. Yeah, I'm drinking the very fancy... Kirkland Signature Light Beer. Ooh, that is fancy. It literally says light light beer on the side. <laughs> so you don't get confused. It's $24.49 for 48 cans. <laughs> what a so deal. A pretty, pretty good deal. <laughs> Where does one find a pack of Kirkland Light? Uh, Costco. Ah, Kirkland yes. is the Costco brand, so you can only find them at Costco's. Wonderful, wonderful. And I am drinking a Windsor Diet Coke tonight, getting a little caffeine in my system because um, a lot has changed in uh, our lives since the last time we did an episode. I got a new job, bought a house, and um, had a child. So I'm recording now for my uh, brand new upstairs third level office. And uh, also, John Beckman has received a promotion in his job. So we are recording this episode in part to celebrate that. So congratulations, John. Thank you, man. And congratulations on all of your news. I Do you think that this newfound place in life is going to inform our, our albums and our tastes and our opinions and stuff? Um, Probably have a more direct effect on the beers and or liquor we drink. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. So yes, the caffeine is in part because you've got, I'm kind of tired. Yeah, you're much more high society than... That I am tonight, the Windsor <laughs> versus the Kirkland light beer that's about 50 cents a piece. 50 uh, golden perfect cents. Well, spent, hey, some, spent well. You know, sometimes no matter where you are in life, you you appreciate a good deal. That's right. That's exactly right. Especially when you have kids and stuff around. I just appreciate this caffeine. I'm feeling good about that. You know, it's funny you say that. I, I was never so on the new kid theme. I... I had always detested the thought of drinking coffee and I never really liked the smell of coffee. I had, I had tried to sips here and there and never liked it. But as soon as I had a kid in the house, I, I, I guzzle that stuff down. I can't get enough of it. I love it now. I, I learned to appreciate it after having a kid. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. And I don't know if I'll ever get there, but I will maybe probably try at some point. Yeah. There came a point where, you know, like five or six Diet Cokes in a day was was getting too much. I had to get my caffeine from some other cut, source. Cut yourself off. Yeah, I had to cut my head to, yeah, to cut back on the Diet Coke. It. Well, I hope that our, our listeners have enjoyed that little glimpse into the life of Eric Jorgensen and John Beckman. And I, I hope that yes. the tension has built as they wonder, what Nickel Creek <laughs> album did they choose? And the answer is for our first album, part one of our dual Nickel Creek episode spectacular it is why should the fire die their wonderful 2005 release cue the applause from the crowd but but before we talk about the album i think we probably need to talk a little about nickel creek because there are probably people out there who have never heard of nickel creek you know shame on them uh super sad if you haven't um it's a fortunate life if you've never heard of it really is and i I hope that people who have not heard them are maybe inspired to to take a listen and I, i think that the best way to describe them is 
vaguely bluegrass, right? I mean, I've heard them described as new grass, <laughs> which is kind of cute, I guess. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So they, they use traditional bluegrass instruments. They have a um, guitar player, a man- mandolin player, and then they also have a fiddle player. And what's kind of cool is they have been together as a band basically since 1989. Um, it's a sibling duo, Sarah Watkins playing the fiddle, Sean Watkins playing the guitar, and then a longtime friend, Chris Thiele, on the mandolin. Um, but you might think, uh, in 1989, you know, there are bands that have been around a lot longer. They are basically our age. I mean, they're, they're in their mid-30s right now. So they have basically been a band since they were like six years old or something, thereabouts. Which is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I, I can't. I mean, think back where where you were at six, eight, six years old, eight years old, whatever it was. I was not in a band. Um, imagine no, yeah, just wasn't was <laughs> yeah, not imagine playing being around the people that you were then, and you know, finding out what you want to do in life that early. That's pretty incredible. Well, according to Wikipedia, I guess um, Sean Watkins was twelve. So pretty amazing. But then um, Sarah and and Christy Lee were a little bit younger at the time. Um, So Nickel Creek, as I said, is a bluegrass band in a a sense. But they bring a pop element to it, which I I really enjoy. Their song structures are are poppy. They write pop songs. Though they also tend to do um, more traditional sounding bluegrass instrumentals on their albums too. And they've released six records um, since 1989 they were started to kind of come into the the consciousness, I guess, in 2000 with their album, which was self-titled called Nickel Creek and had some beautiful songs on it. Um, there, there's a cover by, it was originally Tim O'Brien's song, which now what is the one I'm thinking of when you come back down? There you go. I know that you're a fan of that one as well, right? Yeah, it's probably my, I would say probably my favorite overall song of theirs. Oh, there you go. That's pretty, pretty amazing. So that was, that was a great record, but it was pretty, um, it was pretty safe, I would say. And they came from a, a background where they were playing as young kids for adults who were a lot older than they were. So I think that that informed their sound a lot. It, it kind of reminds me of the type of thing you maybe hear on contemporary Christian radio a little bit. Like it, it, it's beautifully done. The music is great, but it's not, it's not pushing the boundaries necessarily in terms of lyrical content, a lot of covers, a lot of really generic love type songs, but they did record that album with Alison Krauss, who is very well known in the, in the bluegrass community. They also recorded their next album, this side, uh, in 2000, let's see, what was that 2002? I think that one came out and it was maybe a little edgier with the covers being a little more edgy, but it was also recorded with Alison Krauss, as I mentioned. And it was kind of a hint of what they were going to do on why should the fire die. I don't know. Did you have any thoughts on either of those first two albums? Cause they're, they're kind of similar in sound to me when I look back on them, the self-titled and this side. Yeah. Titled is the most traditional bluegrass. It's as close as traditional bluegrass as they ever were on their major albums. Um, that is much more poppy. And like sure. I said, that's kind of the, kind of started that whole venture out into the pop not really rock but more yeah much more pop rock sound yeah i think i agree with that exploring a lot of different yeah a lot of different types of sounds and they did um, a cover by a band called pavement uh spit on a stranger which is kind of an interesting song and it was, i think that was the start of their covers that are a little more unconventional maybe um and they're they're known for doing covers live as well so you kind of never know what they're going to pull out um i've seen them do britney spears toxic live which is a an interesting uh song to be done with bluegrass instruments 
so they do this side. It's got some great songs on it. The song this side is definitely worth checking out. A, it's just a kind of a cute romantic number. But then uh, in 2005, they release Why Should the Fire Die, which to me just took everything they had done and elevated it to an entirely different level. Um, not trying to be overly dramatic or hyperbolic, but it's it's all the best stuff of Nickel Creek. And just the songs to me are are just cutting and biting where they need to be, but they're also tender and gentle. And the album as a whole to me is just pretty much almost unskippable. Like I don't, I, when I listen, I don't skip any songs pretty much ever. I almost always listen all the way through. Uh, and this one was recorded not with Alison Krauss. It was recorded with Eric Valentine and Tony Berg, I believe. And uh, I know for a fact that I think Eric Valentine worked with Smash Mouth previously. <laughs> no joke. I'm almost positive, which is kind of a weird thing to think wow. about. Yeah, he uh, he was on Astro Lounge, <laughs> the album, uh, which had All Star on it. So to go yeah. from recording Smash Mouth um, and then to do Nickel Creek is pretty crazy. Um, so it's it was just a different approach, I think, from the beginning because they chose a different um, different producer. So, John, do you have any thoughts about uh, why should the fire die generally before we get too deep into things? I do, but before we get into that, I do want to say, as I was doing my listening for, um, in preparation for um, our talks about the albums, I uh, I started listening to This Side More, which was their um, album before Why Should the Fire Die, which has a lot of solid songs on it, so I'm a little bummed that we didn't pick that one, but maybe we can cover that one in the, in the future in, in depth, but... Yeah, I do want to say um, some of my favorite all-time songs of Nickel Creek's come off that album, but I think uh, overall, Why Should the Fire Die um, is a more solid album. Yeah, I I get what you're saying. It it does have, this side we're talking about, it does have some good songs on it, but to me it's not as fully realized as an album. It doesn't have the variety of sounds that Why Should the Fire Die has on it. And it's just, it's not as adult. It still, to me, feels like an album made by some kids who are playing for a bunch of grownups. Um, and it's, maybe that's not fair to them on the album, because <laughs> I'm not actually sure how old they were at the time. And uh, Why Should the Fire Die was recorded only two years later. But it's just, I, and maybe partially it's because of the reaction of the bluegrass community to Why Should the Fire Die, which I think was not overwhelmingly positive. I think there was a lot of what is this uh, shit kind of reaction to it in the sense that we thought we understood these were three nice young people who sang about nice things. And Why Should the Fire Die doesn't always conform to that. Uh, so maybe that's why I like it. I think it's kind of a rebellious album, um, and which is not to say that the songs on the side are not not great because they are. I just I love the statement, I think, that Why Should the Fire Die is making. So This side stuck with the, I think, more positive songs, lighter, easier to listen to. And then Why Should the Fire Die was the first, I think, real venture into the, I said rock earlier. It's like kind of an indie rock where yeah, totally. I think I think the bluegrass community probably took exception to it because these were three kids that came out of that and they probably held them near and dear to their hearts or whatever. And then they started venturing out and making music that they, yeah, 
kind of venturing out into things that they weren't expecting, I think. so. Well, it sounds like the type of record that some people in their mid to late 20s would make. And I know that Chris Thiele had gone through a divorce. He was married very young. I do think that all three of them grew up in fairly religious environments. And um, I know that Chris Thiele was married young and then divorced. And I think that that informed the album. Um, and whereas the earlier stuff, it's, it's just so, so much lighter and, and happier and, and perkier. And, um, I, I, I think it's worth telling a brief story. I had sent a few nickel Creek songs to a former coworker of mine. And he said, this is what heaven sounds like. Uh, I think in particular, he was talking about <laughs> when you come back down, um, yeah, or maybe yeah, the lighthouse's tale. And, yep. um, then I sent him some more Nickel Creek songs in particular, some off of why should the fire die? And I think that was, uh, he didn't want to listen to any more Nickel Creek. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I was a little sad because I, I love why should the fire die so much, but at the same time I understood why if what you heard was these gorgeous soaring harmonies with this beautiful message behind it. Yeah, that's wonderful, right? It makes you feel warm and cuddly and you don't always get that. And why should the fire die though? You do get some of it for sure. Um, I, I think the production is gorgeous. It it sounds I don't know. I really I can't find any faults with this album. I I, I vividly remember buying it. I was in Duluth, Minnesota with my family. We went to the Electric Fetus, uh, the record store up there. We have a couple of those in the state, one in Minneapolis as well. But we were in um, Duluth at the time, so I bought it. I put it on my my disc man. I remember that I was playing it in the car, and pretty much immediately, I remember being pretty enthralled with it. Uh, do you remember where you were when you first heard uh, this album in particular for the first time? You know, not for the first time. So a, a couple thoughts. Do you? Oh sure. Um, I don't remember the exact year. I got it pulled up here. August 8th. So I was just looking at the date it was released. Yeah. Watch the fire die. So we were in college. So when, so I knew it was 2005. I was looking at like the time of year. Do you remember what time of year it was when you first listened to the album? I'm pretty sure that I bought it not long after it came out. I would say it was was, late fall. Yeah. Late summer, early fall. Pretty sure. So do you have, I'm not sure if we've talked about this before. Do you have sort of summer albums and like winter albums? Yeah, to an extent, I do. Like Jack's Mannequin, which was um, everything yeah, in transit. Some, yep, and I remember talking. Yeah, we did totally talk about a summer that record, on that, right? On that on that episode, yeah. And yeah, so what season does this album fit for you? This fits more winter, I think. Oh sure, yeah. I and I think I, you know, it's probably the more, you know, kind of continuing the thought from earlier. This album was sort of, um, you know, with the divorce and everything and all the late twenties, emotional, um, issues they were going, not issues, but experiences they were going through. Um, I think a lot more sorrow and a lot more emotion flows through this album where, yeah, the, the other two were a lot more positive and everything is, those are kind of summer albums, whatever, easy to listen to, but sure. Yeah. Um, like you're sitting by yeah, the lake or something yep. and you've got, you know, a sunset or something and you're with your, your love and cuddling up and you're listening to this side. It's like, yeah, you dream of stories that have never been read, <laughs> whatever the line <laughs> is. And then yeah. why should the fire die comes on and you're like, Oh, I'm cold, man. Like I'm alone. Yeah. What's going so, on here? <laughs> so continuing that thought, yeah. my, I don't remember the first time I heard this, but I do remember, I believe um, you and the other guys were living in that house off of, uh, I forget what street it Marshall. was. Marshall. Uh, yeah, the House of Marshall, right? Yeah. When this album came out. I remember listening to this album a lot in your room in the winter. 
Oh, sure. So maybe that's another reason I associate this with winter. I can see that. Yeah. My listening experience with it, but, um, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's my general thought on the album, I guess. Well, it's, you know, we talk about things that are showers or growers and not in the inappropriate sense, but I, <laughs> I think of it in the album sense. You know, sometimes an album, it hits you right away and you really enjoy it. Um, sometimes it takes a little bit longer. This was an album that that hit me right away, but I've also, it's grown in, in my estimation ever since then. It's an album I return to frequently. Um, I was just, I told you, John, via text as we were preparing for this recently, that it, it's probably in my top 10 all time of albums. It's that good. It's it's that perfect. It's just, it's an album that I think is always going to be with me in my life. And now that I have a daughter, you know, I hope I'll play it for her and uh, someday and maybe she'll enjoy some of the songs on it too. So it's, I have such a strong emotional connection to it. And I'm really glad we're talking about it. And I, I remember you were telling me some of the albums that you were thinking about picking for this podcast. And this one came up, I think, and I, I was kind of sad on the one hand, but on the other hand, I think it's great that we both love it so much that we'd want to choose it. Yeah. And I knew you were going to, I figured you would have this one on your list somewhere. And, um, I was just in a nickel Creek mood. So I w- I had it kind of in the back of my mind. I was like, yeah, that'd be a good one to to do. So, yeah, I'm well, glad we're we're kind of taking the opportunity to both to both talk about it. Yeah, it, it's it's fantastic, and I think anybody who vaguely likes Americana folkish music, you know, if you can stomach a mandolin and a fiddle, uh, it, it's really worth checking this album out. Um, and we'll we'll play some clips and we'll pick our songs, but I can't recommend it enough. I think you have to be open to the subject matter of the songs, and it, it's not like we're talking about serial murder or anything. But there's some some heavy stuff. Um, there's religious doubt. There's really nasty breakups. There's infidelity. Um, all sorts of really really uh, deep deep stuff. But then you know there's the lightness too, and and there's some beauty there as well. So. Would it make sense, do you think, uh, if we don't have any other thoughts, to kind of dive into our picks and kind of see where that takes us? Or do you have anything else you want to say? Uh, I guess I do have one more thought. So you said you sent a few songs to Coworker? I did, yeah. Off of their first album. I, I sent, I think it was probably When You Come Back Down, maybe Absolutely. This Side, and then Lighthouse's Tale, possibly off of Nickel Creek. Okay. Which, I, just a brief pause, and I, I have to double check and make sure. Was this a, was that a cover, Lighthouse's Tale? Um, no, that sounds like a traditional folk song, but I'm not sure. Chris Thiele and Adam McKenzie are the two credited writers. I don't know who Adam McKenzie is. Um, (laughs) but, uh, it's so cheesy. Like it's a great song, but it's basically the story of a lighthouse taking on the, the owner's personality, right? Or just the owner loses his love or something is washed ashore or whatever. Like it's the most maudlin. It's a, it's a story. St- it's a story song. Yes. Told from the point of view of the lighthouse. So the lighthouse is singing the song. Right. Yes. Which is cute. Right. I mean, it, it's cute, but I mean, it's it, cute, but then the, the lighthouse worker ends up jumping to his death off of the lighthouse so in the nicest guess, way possible I though is, yeah. <laughs> i mean there's yeah. a little bit there's a little bit of dark there but it's so yeah I, I, it's a great song and i don't mean to rip it but i'm just i'm really talking song. about it to contrast it with why should the fire die because in that first record they're singing about loss and tragedy but they're singing through this really abstract metaphor and it's it's at a distance it's a story song of this lighthouse and it sounds like it could have taken place, you know, 200 years ago or something. By contrast, you have a song like Helena, which is sung by Chris Thiele as well. The mandolin player 
And he's basically saying, I'm a horrible person who is cheating on my lover. And I basically want, want you to go away and never, never bother us again. So my lover and I can, you know, be, be together forever. Thank you very much. And I'm a terrible person. <laughs> and, uh, as far as I know, it's not a, a, a story that is true in the sense that it happened to Chris Thiele, but it's just exploring that type of dark emotion, uh, that is much more direct than the lighthouse and the owner jumping off into the waves and killing himself. But yeah, I guess still both yeah. dark, I suppose. Much more directly and, relatable. And, and maybe that's, it's, it's worth mentioning maybe a little bit more about the band because we're going to talk about them pretty, uh, specifically that Chris Thiele is the mandolin player and he is by all counts, a virtuoso of the mandolin. He is a cross genre mandolin player. He has played with Yo-Yo Ma. He has his own band called the punch brothers. He's done solo albums. He plays with nickel Creek. He's now actually the host of a Prairie home companion. He's taken over for Garrison Keeler. So I think he must fly to Minnesota to do that every week. Um, but he, I heard that. Yeah. Every, every so often. Yeah. He's the, he's the host. So he does that now. He's just an incredible musician. Um, he sings, uh, many of the songs, but, uh, Sean Watkins, who's the guitar player and brother of Sarah Watkins, the violin player, he sings songs as well. And then Sarah Watkins sings some songs and then they together sing harmonies. So that's the composition of the band. Just so everybody who isn't familiar with no Creek is aware. These are the people we're talking about. It's Chris, it's Sarah and it's Sean. They're a three piece. And then live, they play with a bass player, a stand-up bass player named Mark Schatz. So it's just basically a four piece. That's all you get. They don't have some fancy backing band. Um, it's just them, their instruments and, and some beautiful singing. So that's, that's pretty much what the albums sound like too. For the most part, there is never a drum lick to be heard it's very very rare there are a few exceptions to that which we might talk about um but it's just a very pure beautiful bluegrassy sound so yeah with that maybe it makes sense to kind of dive into our favorite songs do you want to go first uh sure i can go first if you're prepared that is i'm prepared i just uh, my hesitation was because it it was tough to choose it is really tough to choose on this album but it's tough and the podcast rule is half plus one yes sir is it half minus one half plus uh well half rounded up if need be half rounded up that's what it was there's 14 songs on this yes sir that's a possibility of seven but i like to keep it to five or six so okay let's uh get my list back up here i've got one two three four i got six so i'm within the rules all right so starting out um i just did it in Album order. That's the order. Okay, so first song of the album, When in Rome, is the first one on my list. Um, do you want me to talk about the song, or do you have any thoughts on the song? Or Well, I don't want to be too dominant, because you know I like to talk. <laughs> but this is a great opener to a great record. Because <laughs> it's it starts very ominously and my wife does not enjoy it when I play it because it sounds creepy is what she says. <laughs> and I, I play a little mandolin now and not, not very well, but this is one of the songs that I know how to play and she thinks it sounds very creepy. <laughs> And it does. And I feel like it's kind of a sign 
that the band is saying, remember that band that you heard, you know, on this side, which was all sweet and cuddly and warm? When you saw That's not what this record is going to be, um, and it's it's intense and it's it's an interesting song lyrically, an interesting song musically, but it's also on my list too. Spoiler alert! So it's just a great rollicking foot stomp led uh, al- or uh, song to start the album. As I said, there aren't many drums in Nickel Creek songs, very very few, but they do sometimes have percussive elements, and this is one of those songs where they actually have stomps that they do live uh, as well, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and I would say my probably my favorite musical moment off the off this song would be the first uh, probably 15, 16, 17 seconds is just that mandolin part um, leading in. Oh yeah, and then it, and then it pauses for a sec, and then it's the big hit. So that's that's a good one. A really good start to the album. And these lyrics are are dark. You know, they start, where can a sick man go when he can't choke down the medicine the old doc knows? A specialist came to town, but he stays at home, saying no one knows, so I don't, honey, when in Rome. And I'm not even exactly sure uh, what the song is about. I guess I can kind of infer that it's about people maybe justifying actions and saying that, like, when in Rome do as the Romans do a little bit maybe. Um yeah. You've got the second verse. You know, might as well just keep reading lyrics, right? Where can a teacher go? Whenever she wherever she thinks people need the things she knows, those books you gave us look good on the shelves at home and they'll burn warm in the fireplace, teacher went in Rome. So this idea that you've got a society that just kind of goes along with maybe being anti-intellectual a little bit, maybe. I don't know. I mean, not to get political on the podcast, but uh, it does feel fitting for the time that we're in right now, even though this album predates it by a good 12 years. It's just, it's a really dark song, but it's it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's got musical moments, like you said, little hits and little mandolin licks and and just great harmonies that work really well together, I think, to, to lead off this album. Grab a So I don't know if there's much else to say about it. It's a great song live, too. Uh, One thing we didn't say about Nickel Creek is, sadly, they've been on kind of semi-hiatus since this album. They came back for another album almost 10 years later called The Dotted Line. Uh, But since then, they've they've did one tour, and they've now done all their own projects again, and they haven't come back together as Nickel Creek. So that's maybe worth mentioning. If they do tour again, uh, go see them, and hopefully they do the song because it's awesome live. (laughs) Yes. So that's pick one for you. What's pick two? Pick two is song two. By Blur? Song two? By Blur. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, not that one. Uh, somebody more like you.
One reason I really like this song is it, I believe it's pretty much only Sean singing on it. Which yeah, it doesn't, is. Which doesn't happen that often. Um, I don't think he really has any that he, I think he writes plenty, but he doesn't have very many songs that he um, is the full lead singer on. So Yeah, it's pretty rare. And he's not, he's actually a really good singer and he's a great guitar player too, but it's usually yes, Chris yep. Thiele who takes lead. So it's, it is cool to hear him sing, like you said. And it's a very nasty breakup song, which he says is not based on anyone, anyone real. <laughs> very nasty breakup. But it's got some great lines. Uh, I hope you finally find someone, someone you can trust and give him everything. <laughs> I hope you meet someone your height so you can see eye to eye with someone as small as that's, you. That's small as you. Pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Burn. Yep. And it starts out, I didn't hear you say you're sorry. The fault must be mine. Yeah. I wish you all the best of luck at finding somebody more like you. And and this is one of those songs that you mentioned actually where it's it's basically it's a rock song. It's a pop rock song. It's not a bluegrass yeah. song really nope. at all. I mean it's bluegrass instruments which always kind of anchor it in that traditional Nickel Creek sound, but it's basically a pop rock song and it's it's great. It's a great pop rock song. It's got a, an awesome soaring chorus with some great harmony on it. Um it's also a fun song to hear live too. Yeah, so. the mandolin is such a bluegrass uh, instrument like you can't really fully get away from it agree no matter what type of song you're playing um so like you said yeah it's, it's always going to be anchored in that but but uh for yep. sure uh, a, a far cry from say the fox on <laughs> self-titled yes the fox went out on a chilly night he prayed for the moon to give him light for it many amounts to go that night before he reached the town no oh. And one thing I think that is really cool about Nickel Creek as a band, uh, a bluegrassy band, bluegrass instruments, is some bands, as they experiment, might say, okay, well, we'll have somebody pick up an electric guitar in a song or something, or we'll have some more drums, and that's how we'll kind of break out of the conventions of bluegrass. But they don't do that. They just pick interesting songs, they write interesting songs, and they use their instruments in an interesting way. So Chris Thiele will play the mandolin in a way that makes it work in a rock song rather than picking up an electric guitar, which I think is awesome. It's it's embracing who they are, but taking it to new places that other bands necessarily wouldn't. So, yeah, I think this is... And one it really shows how, how great they are on their instruments. Yes, uh, definitely. And that, yeah, they can they can make any any type of song they, they want to. Yes, totally. So that's number two, Somebody More Like You. All right. Are you sensing the trend yet? I'm sensing guess, the trend. Can you, can you guess what my song, third song one, is? Song one, song two, and I believe <laughs> Jealous of the Moon makes number three. We, we've talked about great intros to, to yes, albums. Yes, great, we have. Great sets of songs. And the the first three songs on this album are are so, so, so good. Yes. And such a such a great trio. So yeah, Jealous of the Moon is my is my third pick. A great pick. And it's a, Jealous it, of the Moon. It's a slow simmer, is how I think of it. With beautiful instrumentation, good way to put it. It's a, it's almost like a lullaby in some ways. Um, it starts off with just a beautiful mandolin picked out, and then you've got a little bit of fiddle in the background, a great melody, a great vocal performance from Chris Thiele, great harmonies. It just kind of makes you want to sway side by side. I'm like swaying in my chair right now as I think about this song.
you haven't worn the old one yet You've come too far It's, it's a <laughs> gorgeous song. Um, it really is. And it, I think it's, you can read between the lines and it seems to be about somebody who's maybe obsessed with their physical appearance a little bit. And, you know, the line is, uh, jealous of the moon, meaning like, well, who's going to be jealous of the moon? The moon just is what it is. But maybe somebody who's, who's not the most secure with themselves. Uh, you've got a line that kicks off the song, trying on a brand, brand new dress, but you haven't worn the old one yet. Um, which is kind of biting. <laughs> So yeah, I, I I agree. It's first three songs on this record are freaking fantastic. They're wonderful. They certainly are. All right. My fourth pick is not the fourth song on the album. Okay. So I will skip down, let's see, one, two, three songs. I could guess, yeah. I think I know which one. What's your guess? Well, obviously it's the one cover on this album. Tomorrow was a long time. The one cover. So um Sarah takes the lead on this song is uh tomorrow is a long time it's a song written by bob dylan and i will say sarah has a slightly better voice than bob dylan so <laughs> but she's not from minnesota so we can't claim sarah watkins <laughs> yeah yeah uh bob dylan I'm, I'm sure everyone listening to this it obviously knows who he is um wonderful songwriter um his actual singing is an acquired taste um I like it on most of his songs, but uh, to have someone of Sarah's caliber actually singing uh, words that he wrote is is a beautiful um, uh, match. So it, the song's really, really, really well done. She has a very sweet voice. Um, it's not the most – it's not like a Lady Gaga style, like operatic, like she's going to just – sing till her lungs bleed kind of voice but it's a very sweet wonderful calming voice that she puts to great effect on this song i think yeah calming's a good way to put it i think and she's done um some great solo records too so people should check out sarah watkins um you and me is a song i would really recommend it's a great intro to her it's pretty poppy um yeah i would check that one out it's a great great song but uh, everything you said about the song is true. It's it's really nice. It's, a, it's an improvement on the original, in my opinion. I think it's also the most old Nickel Creek-esque of the songs on this album. Uh, by that, I mean it would fit in just fine on the self-titled record and it would also probably fit in on this side just fine as well. That's a good point. To I me, it kind of stands out a little bit on this album yeah. because it's it's doesn't have the dark sound that a lot of these songs do, I think. With some exceptions, but for the most part, the album is pretty dark, as we've said, and this is not one of those songs. Yeah. Long time, long time would mean nothing to me at all. 
that one? I don't think so. That you would like to add? All right. Oh. Uh, my next one would be one that uh, you and I have performed in Scooters. Yes. Which is Scooters there anymore? Ever, no. Like, well, I think uh, it, they moved it. So now it's in the new student center, and it's still called Scooters, but it's not the same mm-hmm. Scooters. Not the same. Kids of today wouldn't put up with what we put up with, John. The st- <laughs> they need their bowling alleys and that's right. other things. Anyway, um, the song is called Doubting Thomas. Oh, yeah. What a song. So you mentioned uh, religious religious doubt. Yes. That's what this song is all about. Um, Doubting Thomas is not... Uh, phrase that they come came up with, um, as one could guess, it's a common term. Um, pretty much a skeptic who I don't know refuses to believe without some direct personal experience. So, this uh, is a beautiful song, and it's one of my favorite Nickel Creek songs because it's so naked and raw and confessional. And I've I sense that there's a lot of their background in the song. I think Chris Thiele wrote it mostly of just maybe being raised religious. Uh, he is the sole credited writer on it. Being raised religious and struggling as an adult with it because you have agreed to to be part of a faith maybe. Maybe you've made some, like he refers to taking a promise, but he doesn't feel safe in that. And as he says in the song, sometimes I pray for a slap in the face but then I beg to be spared because I'm a coward. Just this uncertainty and and feeling like it's something you should believe, but you just can't. And it's it's so beautifully performed and so vulnerable. And I wonder how all the people um, that I mentioned earlier who maybe come from a religious background and had thought Nickel Creek were this great, um, you know, uh, clean cut, youthful, <laughs> nice safe band hearing this it's it probably was a little bit of a shock because it's basically saying like i don't i don't know what i believe i don't know if i believe anything religiously and it's it's so moving to hear it perform this way and theely's vocal is just perfect on it he he has that aching longing in his voice like he wants to believe he's basically saying like i i want to be this religious person but i just don't know if i can on the first line of the song what will be left when I've drowned my last breath? Besides the folks I've met and the folks who know me, will I discover a soul-saving love or just the dirt above and below me? What will be left when I've drawn my last breath? Besides the folks I've met and the folks who know me. Will I discover a soul-saving love or that is a so really beautiful so is there anything yeah is there uh, anything after i yes. die or not and that's how what, well put yeah, to what I mean, he's asking yep yeah it's ah uh, yeah it it just it makes me emotional just thinking about it because i think it's it's such a good representation of the i think the doubt that most of us have at some point those of us who were raised religious and you know, not to get too deep into super personal stuff, but I think a lot of us, especially in the Midwest, grow up with that in the family. And I think as we become adults, we all struggle with this in different ways. And to hear it in a song and put so so nakedly again, I think that's really the word I would use a lot to describe this album, that an adult. Like it's naked, not in the sexual sense, but naked in the sense of like, 
we're not going to pretend that we are the people we were when we were 15 and we were first a band and we were doing the things that made adults happy. We are adults now with our own thoughts and ideas and our own struggles and our divorces and our relationships and all these struggles basically again. So we're not going to hide those things anymore. We are going to just expose those and we're going to put them on this record, which I think is great. Yeah, very well said. Thank you. Yeah. I'm a doubting Thomas. I took a promise. But I do not feel safe. Only of little faith. And my last pick is Helena. Oof, nice. Which the, is the, the very dark song. Yes. Um, of Chris Thiele's very, very rock heavy. Would you say? Well, it's the only nickel Creek song that I know of that has drums on it. Uh, at least through this album, I'd have to double check a dotted line, but I, I, this has a full drum kit played by Eric Valentine, the producer and smash mouth, uh, producer as well. (laughs) Um, it, it, it starts slow. builds to that rocking finish where the drums kick in, which is pretty amazing. Whenever they perform it live, Chris Thiele always says beforehand that it's it's not based on his own experience. But I don't know, maybe it actually is. <laughs> I'm sure you have to draw on you have, you have to draw on something. You right? would think so, yeah. Um, so there's got to be at least hints there, hints here and there of yes, some and, sort of personal experience. And as I described earlier, it seems to be about him and his missed. Well, maybe 
a lover, but then he has another lover mistress. And he's basically saying, Helena, just please go away so that my other lover and I can, can be together. Um, <laughs> and it's just so nasty and terrible. Like this, the, the, or the, um, narrator of the song is just a horrible person, but it's just told so well, I think. And it's a great song melodically. And it's got that wonderful build that I mentioned, yeah, I I it's one of my favorites as well. It's definitely one of my favorite Nickel Creek songs. Yeah, I'm just looking at I'm just looking to see if I can find a good lyric or good line that kind of sums it up. You look so sweet. I should have seen while I was playing for fun, you were playing for keeps. There you go. So, maybe this is what now that I'm looking at this, I think he's actually singing to the mistress. And he's saying, okay, we had our fun, but now I'm going to go back to my regular partner, my wife or my girlfriend. That's how I read this now that I'm looking at the lyrics again. I go away so you don't, so I don't continue to ruin. Yeah, what I've, what I think I've so. On. Which is a pretty dark subject matter for a, a band that was singing about the lighthouse and its tail. <laughs> Just well, what f- would you say? Yeah. yeah, that's true. Helena, don't walk away. Did you hear one word I said? Oh, well. I never really liked her anyway, and I forgot her. I'll forget you, Helena. I think the I actually I don't even know. Now I'm just confused. Yeah, so not yeah, that part. I remember always being a little confused by exactly who he, whom he's singing to on the song, but I I like it. I like the ambiguity and the confusion of it. I think it's great. And I love that they play it live. Um because it is an unusual song for a Nickel Creek song. Yes, it is. So good pick. That's fair well done. So yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's the end of my six. That was six songs so, already. Holy crap. Let me see. Yeah, One, and I know there was plenty of overlap there, but do you, what uh, what additional ones do you have that I did not list? Eight. Wasn't that just? Yeah, there we go. Okay. So I maybe should just start at the beginning. Um, well, maybe I can't start at the beginning. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a list, I've got a list here. It doesn't really go in order. So I'll just, I'll just read it off. And since I talk so much through yours, maybe you can talk through mine if you'd like. So I actually rolled in, in my first pick, I have chosen first and last waltz slash Helena because first and last waltz is a song that immediately precedes Helena. And it's this beautiful waltz, um, instrumental that leads right into Helena. And when they do it live, they often do the two together. Um, the show that you and I went to last, the State Theater, I believe, they opened the show with with these two, and yep, it's it's it, so it really great. Into the, yeah, it really bleeds into Helena. Yes, because first and last waltz is eerie, and it's just this gorgeous slow building melody. And then all of a sudden it's Chris Thiele strumming his mandolin, singing this horrible song about being horrible to somebody. Helena, don't walk away. 
but yet it's just still so great. So Helena is just, I, for people that can handle it, meaning people who aren't expecting Nickel Creek to always sound like, um, you know, when you come back down, Helena would be one of the first songs I'd play for him and just say, Hey, let, let this just hit you and react to it and feel it. And just, you can just take the emotion from it and, and, oh, it's just exactly what art is supposed to be. I love it. Um, my next pick is one that you did not choose, which is Why Should the Fire Die? A gorgeous song that is the other most Nickel Creek-esque song on the album, I think, along with Tomorrow is a Long Time. It's the the closers yeah. I mentioned, and it's it's a very sweet song. It's, um, I think the fire they're talking about is love, really. Because um, the opening line of the song is, Why Should the Fire Die? My mom and dad kept theirs alive. It's early yet. Don't say goodnight. I know in time you'll be all right. It's, it seems like it's a song to a lover, to a best friend, basically saying, like, let's not let this thing fade. Let's not let this thing end. Um, let's stick it out together, which is a, it's funny that it follows right after Helena. <laughs> it's a great yeah. ending to the album because Helena is definitely the climax of the record. But if you recall your middle school English class, the climax is not the last thing to happen in a work of art, right? The climax is that high point, And then you usually kind of have a soft landing at the end. And that's what Why Should the Fire Die is. That's what it is. Um, so do you have any thoughts about that album or song? Sorry, since you didn't choose I, it. I did have that one on my list. And I at the last second, I took it off in favor of Helena. Oh, wow. Boy, a stickler for the rules coming through. <laughs> um, I guess the, the one um, thought on that, on Why Should the Fire Die, is I wonder how much his divorce played into. Did, I guess I should, I should look up. Did he write that? Or was it one of the Watkins? Chris Thiele? Uh, yeah, that was all three of them. They're all credited. Okay. So I wonder how much his experience with his divorce kind of played into that and, and, you know, wondering in some alternate universe if there was. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, why should the fire die? Is there, is there a way that we can continue this? And, you know, I don't know anything about the divorce, so I don't know what. Yeah, and I'm almost positive it preceded this album. I'm I'm almost positive that it was between the two records. So if I'm wrong, sorry about that. But it sure this album seems to be dark as a result of that. Um, And another line from this album that I didn't mention that I or sorry from the song that I I just love is I'm just happier being confused beside the fire as long as it's with you. Oh, that's nice. I love it. That's great. Uh, my next pick is When in Rome, as you mentioned, the opener. We talked about that quite a bit. Uh, the only specific note I had this I had for this song that we didn't mention was that it's a sign that this is not your grandpa's Nickel Creek record. <laughs> because it is definitely a strong statement that this album is going to be different than what we'd heard previously, which I think is great. Yep. Doubting Thomas is on my list, of course, because it's fantastic. One of the best Nickel Creek songs. It's funny how many of the best Nickel Creek songs I think are on this album. 
which says something, I guess. It is, uh, it is one of your top ten albums. It, exactly. So I, you, so I guess you'd expect that, right? Um, mm-hmm. I also have Somebody More Like You, one we talked about as well. Number two, Sean Watkins singing lead and supposedly not about anybody. It's bitter, angry, and incredibly catchy. It's a Sean Watkins kiss off to an ex-girlfriend that apparently doesn't exist. Jealous of the Moon, one you talked about as well. It's that slow simmer. It's a beautiful instrumental uh, at the beginning there. The instrumentation is just great throughout the whole song. Um, Great melody, great singing, great harmonies. And then Scotch and Chocolate, which is the fourth song, I think, on the album, right? And that is a full instrumental. Nickel Creek usually includes at least two of those per album. And um, it starts really slow and then builds to a really fast, raging climax um, for the song, which is pretty great. So I, I always like Nickel Creek instrumentals. They're fun. I don't necessarily listen to them on their own, but I like when they're in the middle of an album. it's nice when you just have the album on, on in the background and yeah yeah i don't usually seek them out but they're they're good interludes between yeah they fit yeah, the context of the album overall which i think is great yeah they they always help the album flow i think yes i i agree and then an honorable mention I have is Stumptown, which is the other instrumental, instrumental excuse me, on this album. It's just a fun, up-tempo song that I enjoy. I, I like it a lot, so it's an honorable mention for me. Did you have any honorable mentions, or did you not choose any? Um, I didn't choose any, but I suppose why should the fire die would be my okay. honorable yeah, mention because I almost had it on my or did have it on my list and then I took it off. Yeah, that's a good point. Do you have any least yep. favorite songs? Um, yes, I put two down. Oh wow, two. Which those were hard to pick, but I, I picked uh, Anthony. Okay, ah, Sarah Watkins singing leads the only yep. uh, Nickel Creek song credited solely to Sarah Watkins, I believe. Sorry, Sarah. Nothing personal. It's kind of a goofy song. It's kind of goofy, and I, I did like the live performance of it, but it just doesn't grab me like the other ones. Anthony, Anthony. Oh, he said he can't love me, but I think he can. And then... Um, Eveline, yeah, was the other one. Okay, my least favorite. Another one. It's like it's a good song, and I'll I won't skip it, but just doesn't grab me like the other ones. Okay, no, that's fair enough. Sail 
criteria. And I actually, I, I can't pick a least favorite song because I think if I would have used your criteria, I probably could pick the ones that I'm not really going to listen to on their own. But then again, I almost rarely listen to songs on this album alone. I almost always just put the whole album on, which says a lot, and I just let it play through. Yep, um, I almost always, yep, just let the whole album play. And even a song like Eveline, which I would agree is not my favorite, then you get Stumptown right after, which is a nice, it, it's up-tempo and it totally um, it pulls a 180 compared to what Eveline does, which I think is great. Like it's Like all these great albums we talk about, there's this emotional journey that happens on this record, and I think it's so perfectly executed. Uh, so I... We chose a lot of the same songs. I think we just both love this album, so it's not not a surprise. Something that I did want to mention before we close out here is, in contrast to an album that we've mentioned a couple times that I, I did reference in our Fleetwood Mac episode, 1989, Taylor Swift had something like 30-some people on it in terms of songwriters and producers and stuff. This album has three people who are in the band. Um, Mark Schatz playing bass, Eric Valentine is a producer, and two other people, an engineer, Chris Roach, and then Tony Berg, co-producer. And that's basically it for the whole thing. Eric Valentine mixed it and he mastered it too. So we're basically talking about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people total, pretty much credited with doing the entire record, which is unbelievable and really cool, I think, to think that's such a great album. Exactly. Very talented. Um, So few people could go to a studio and at the end of it, make this amazing product which still lives on you know for me to this day and i still listen to it all the time so yeah do you have any closing thoughts on the record no i think you summed them up uh summed up my thoughts perfectly as as you usually do (laughs) i guess the the final question i have to ask john is why should the fire die why should the fire die? I don't think it should because I love that record. I love that record too. I'd highly recommend it to anyone who wants to check out Nickel Creek. Take a listen. Uh, it's fantastic. It's a it's a shower and it's a grower. So be blown away by it at first and then just keep listening to it and you'll just grow to appreciate it even more over time, I think. So thanks for being with me tonight, John, to talk about this great album by Nickel Creek. You betcha, buddy. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.